All right, welcome to another edition of SYP Today. This is Wednesday's edition. I'm recording this just at 11. Hopefully, you get a half an hour in, post it around 11.35, and then get it all you know, po- posted on social media around midnight tonight. Um, I want to do sort of something different, where I'm not talking about a sport or a game specifically, but I, I have this topic on my mind that I really need to discuss, and it's always on my mind, and I'm always thinking about it, and I'm always applying it to sports and real-world situations, and talking about ownership and leadership. It's a very underrated aspect of sports and an organization's success. success is leadership and the people at the top who are running it. Um, The reason I bring it up is because I've started to notice anyways myself the difference between great organizations and great leaders and poor organization and poor leaders. We see it quite a bit and, and it's in every sport and it's in you know, real life situations that we're seeing either businesses or schools or whatever, team, whatever. Like, you're, if you want to succeed and do well and be successful at what you do, you need to have great leadership. There are, there are three teams and their owners who really stand out to me right away when I when I think of shitty ownership and poor leadership and those three guys are Dan Snyder with the Washington Redskins James Dolan with the New York Knicks and Eugene Melnick with the Ottawa Senators now I can name you other teams and I probably will discuss it uh, as well, but other teams who don't, like those three guys are the worst of the worst. There are teams who don't have that sort of winning quality or that winning gene in them, and as a result of that, they struggle and they don't know how to be successful. Um, The reason I bring up those three guys and those three teams is because those three teams are all going through some sort of a rebuild at this point. Um, The Knicks aren't competitive this season. The Senators aren't too competitive this season. The Washington Redskins weren't really that competitive this season. They fired their head coach when I was in Japan in early October, so you knew that was a side of how things were going. And what intrigues me, though, is on the other end of the spectrum and great leaders and great organization cultures, guys like the Bill Belichicks, Greg Popovich, not so much. He's kind of fading here in the, in the back nine of his career. Pete Carroll in Seattle. Um, you were, we thought it was Gerard Gerlant who in three years had created a winning culture in Vegas, and now that he's gone, Peter DeBoer has, I guess, carried that legacy for what you say, but, you know, Vegas has that winning sort of um, quality about them. The Boston Bruins have that quality about them. 
Pittsburgh Penguins. It's interesting to see the haves and the have-nots in a team who in a organizations who just don't. There clearly is the haves, the have-nots, and the teams that just don't know. The teams that just aren't there. So let's start with the worst of the worst. James Dolan has is an absolute farce at running the Knicks. It, it's it, it's funny if you're not a Knicks fan. It's sad if you're a Knicks fan, and then it gets to a point where it's just not even funny. It's just you know disappointing and depressing. The Knicks, the Knicks are a dumpster fire, and they will be until. James Dolan sells the team. Now, everybody knows this. Everybody around NBA circles knows this. Casual fans know this. And it's too bad because the New York Knicks play in one of the most beautiful arenas. They play in one of the beautiful, most beautiful cities in the world. But because of the fact that they had, they've had shitty ownership for 20 years now, since about the time I've been born, the New York Knicks are just not going to be a winner and they're not going to be a contender. Now, you might say, well, they haven't always been shit in 20 years. And to that I say, no, they haven't always been shit in 20 years. They've had winning, like, I think they had a couple 50-win seasons. But there are guys who can crack that to a certain extent, who can put up with it for so long, who are good enough that they can overcome the poor and lack of leadership and just bad management. It doesn't last for very long and it's never usually too too successful. Um, but, you know, when Carmelo was playing for the Knicks, Carmelo was a good enough talent and a good enough player that he could overcome the Dolan problem, Dolan situation to make the team a contender. The the Knicks this offseason, this past offseason, this past July, thought they were in contention for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in free agency. They also thought they were going to get Zion, but they got, they got screwed in a draft lottery. R.J. Barrett's still a great guy, but he's probably not going to be as successful of a player as he possibly could be because of the fact he played for the Knicks. But pe- because people know how much of a shit show it is in the Big Apple, and because people are aware that Dolan is a nutcase, Kyrie and Durant, who... Durant is a smart guy. Durant knows what's up. Kyrie, I think he knows what's up, but every once in a while he, you know, makes you wonder. But they're both smart enough to realize, you know what, no amount of money, no big of a check is worth paying for James Dolan. And if guys like KD aren't going to go, if guys like Kyrie aren't going to go, it sends a message to the rest of the league that, well, if these guys aren't going to go, if the you know cream of the crop don't want to go, why should I go? Now, Julius Randle, I believe, is playing there. Um, but, you know, he signed to play there. But I, I just don't know how the Knicks are ever going to be successful until they let go of James, or James Dolan just sells the team until they get rid of him, until that relationship is just over. 
Um, you know, the Knicks have had some really successful people walk through those doors. They've had David Fisdale, and for, who used to coach Memphis as well. Phil Jackson, who I don't want to say is stupid, but he I, I think a lot of his problems that he clashed with Dolan and Dolan had too much say. And I'm not saying, you know, Jackson should have had more say. I'm just saying Dolan should have listened to what Jackson had to say. Um, even, I mean, the Kristaps thing is, I guess, is a bit controversial, but nonetheless, Jackson is a smart guy. Phil Jackson knows what's up. Um, you know, those they they've had smart people walk through those doors, and they still couldn't put it together. And then there's the Washington Redskins situation, where. DC has watched again for the last 20 years their team crumble and fail and cr crumble crumble like their stadium <coughs> excuse me um, and people are gonna say well the, you know the Redskins had some good years there and yeah you know like one playoff appearance with RG3 I guess, but I mean, you know, everybody knows how much of a dick Dan Snyder is. I'd love to get Dan Snyder on the podcast too. I think Snyder would be a cool podcast guest. I know he doesn't do a whole lot of media stuff, but I think it'd be cool to have him on. Um, yes, Snyder is such a dick that it's just not worth it. It's just not worth the time and energy. Now, this is a key situation for the Redskins right now. Like, absolutely right now they have one of the best coaches in the nfl ron rivera one of the smartest guys one of the pl most player friendly guys in ron rivera and he is running the redskins if it fails with ron rivera if he if schneider can't let if schneider doesn't micromanage if schneider just lets rivera do his job this this Redskins team has the chance to be a really successful group, and with the NFC East kind of floundering around, like not really sure what the rest of the what the rest of the teams in the division are doing, the Redskins have an opportunity to take a stranglehold hold of this division. But again, the key is Schneider not micromanaging Ron Rivera in Washington. And the reason I say all that about micromanaging is because good, good um, leaders, smart leaders, don't micromanage. They, they hire good people and they let good people do their jobs. That is what makes a team, a business, a group, anything functional and successful is hiring smart people and letting them do their jobs. You see that with, again, going back to the Seahawks with Paul Allen before he passed away last year. Paul Allen was not a football guy by any means. He was a business guy. He, you know, founded Microsoft with Bill Gates and Ballmer and all those guys. But Paul Allen 
When a team needed to be saved from moving out of Seattle, Paul Allen bought the team. He was not a football guy, was not a big sports guy by any means. But he said, you know, I'm going to you know, save this team, I'm going to keep this team, we're going to build a new stadium. And he did that. He, he let people do their jobs. He did not get in the way of football things. He did not get in the way of building things. He, you know, he let people do their jobs. And that's what smart people do. It's just let people do their jobs. And if people aren't doing their jobs properly, then you get rid of them. But you don't need to, you know, you don't need to helicopter over them to make sure they're doing it. Paul Allen didn't do that. Um, you know, Robert Kraft doesn't do that in New England, typically, uh, with the exception of Jimmy Garoppolo. But that's a different story. But, you know, Kraft, for the most part, lets Belichick do his job with the roster and, you know, make it to how he likes it and what he wants out of it. And it's amazing to see the owners who just don't get it, who just don't see that, who can't come to... And I, and I get that I'm not the person who's in this billion-dollar industry, but I see how successful teams are doing it and are making it, and they're just, you know, they just know what works for them and how it's all supposed to happen. Go go to Ottawa, for example, with Eugene Melnick. He has been telling, he, he's pretty much been telling Pierre Dorian how to make this team by pretty much getting rid of every asset, every valuable asset, getting pieces for those assets, and just rebuilding and contending. Granted, the Ottawa situation is I don't want to say dire, but Ottawa is one of those teams that is always going to be in a perpetual rebuild. The system is not... The system is meant for Ottawa to compete, but the system is not meant for Ottawa to win championships, if, that's, if that makes sense. But the Senators are just going to be a perpetual rebuild, rebuilding, 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 rebuilding. It's like Oakland A's and Tampa Bay's of the NHL. Where those guys are just, you know, supposed to find their good guys, but they can't pay enough of those, you know, they can't pay for those good guys, so they have to sell them off for more draft picks, so that when the next good guys come around, they can't pay for them, and then they have to trade them away, and the whole cycle continues. Mel that's basically what Melnick told Dorian after the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals, is that they just had to get rid of them. And from what I've gathered... You could tell the culture is not good in Ottawa. It's even with a new coach, it might be a little bit different, but it's just not, you know, it's not healthy. Eric Carlson, he gets traded away inside the massive extension with San Jose. Um, John Gabriel Pajot on Monday gets traded to the Islanders and then signs a six year extension with the Islanders. And there's somebody else who I wanted to say. Um, someone else got traded. Who am I thinking of? It's on the tip of my tongue. Someone else got traded and just signed a long-term deal with that team. But nonetheless, you know, Colin White would re-signed, or Shabbat re-signed with Ottawa. And I think actually Colin White did. Maybe it's just Shabbat. But now, you see, Ottawa's goal, Dorian's goal, this isn't, this isn't for Melnick. 
Dorian has to do his job here. Do Melnick should not let Dorian get in the way because if Dor Dorian is a smart guy, because that's who you hire. You hire smart people. You don't hire stupid people. If you hire stupid people, then you fire them. But if Dorian is a smart guy, like Melnick thinks he's hired, let him do his job. And if Dorian's smart, he's going to sign Brady Kachuk after this year. He's going to re-sign White if he hasn't already. He's, you know, maybe he's going to try and trade up for Alex Lafreniere. He's got nine picks in the first 90 overall selections this year. That's how many assets Ottawa has. They have enough to go get Lafreniere. They have enough to, they need to go get a goalie too, like, the point is, it's just Ottawa is like so many other teams where their owner just can't get out of the fucking way and just let his GM do his job. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard. Just be the be the owner. Just don't fuck with the hockey operations. Just let the guy you hired do the job. I, I, I don't want to, you know... I don't know, like, Aquilini, I'm just thinking from a Vancouver perspective, like the Canucks, for example, this year, I've started become, you know, becoming a better team. If, I'm not sure if Aquilini, you know, sort of poo-pooed Trevor Linden out of Vancouver, but he is, for the most part, let Jim Benning do his job. And... He hired Benning because he thought Benning was a smart guy. And Benning had, you know, there was a, a bit of doubt on him. And Benning had a really good offseason this year. He had a really good offseason. He, he managed to sign Besser. He had a couple good picks, good good trades. Um, but even, you know, for the most part, someone like Benning, who has done a decent job, he's been all right. You know, Aquilini just said, "Let you know, you do you. You sign the guys you need to sign. You trade the guys we need to trade for. Um, you draft the guys we need to draft. And I'm, for the most part, going to stay out of the way. It, it's mind-bottling. Yeah, like in Blades of Glory. It's mind-bottling. Just the teams that either have it, don't have it. Or just don't know of it. Like the other example is my Seattle Manners. My Seattle Manners were one of the most entertaining and fun teams to watch between the mid 90s and the early 2000s. And since then, I'm going to say since like 02, 03, let's say 03. Since 03, they have been a nightmare, a disaster. And part of it is just because they don't know how to win. They have no idea how to create a winning team. So they're following the formula like the rest of baseball owners are and just stripping the team of assets, not really contending, not really competing, putting, you know, a bunch of young guys out there and it's like well you know what we're going to be good in three or four years it, like baseball is the worst of this right now that perpetual rebuild and Seattle just has no idea how to win they just have like it's not within the organization it's not within um, the ownership group right now it's not within the general manager in 
crap, I can't remember who our GM is at the moment. Ah, uh, I'm thinking of him. I can picture his face. Oh, I can't think of who it is. Um, Scott Service doesn't know how to win. Like, this is not a winning team. It's not a winning culture. And you can tell by the players, the expectation of the fan base. Like, I, 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 I just, it's amazing that, it's amazing to me that the Seattle Manors can just go on, you know, like the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are starting to put it together. But, like, the Cleveland Browns, where they just go on and they be, you know, incompetent for so long. And just when you think that you're starting to get it together, then it looks like they take two steps back. So, it, it's, it's very tough to root for teams who don't know what this, you know, leadership gene is like and what this winning quality is like. But it's also tough to, to you know... When you see it and you know it and you recognize it and it's like, oh, these guys have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Like, and you and bringing in good people and bringing in smart people is just, and letting them do their job is just so underrated. Like, in the 20 years that the Patriots have had Tom Brady, they've never had a rebuild. Because Tom Brady is just too good and he, you know... He's so he's just too talented that you don't rebuild. You don't rebuild under Tom Brady. You don't rebuild under LeBron James. LeBron James has never gone. I mean, last year I get was kind of a rebuild. It wasn't meant to be a rebuild. It was just a failure of a year. But you don't rebuild under LeBron James. There are guys where if they're on your roster and they're the guys that you have. They're the guys that are, you know, if these guys are going to be all-star Hall of Famers, you you compete with them. You go and win with them. If they aren't, you got to get new guys. But with, like, and then look at the Red Sox. Look at the Boston Red Sox, for example, who we thought were a competitive, smart organization for many years. Sort of an innovator. And now they have fallen into baseball's... I could do a whole podcast about baseball's failure, but they have fallen into baseball's trap of just trying to save, trying to cut expenses. And they get rid of Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts is probably, the I'm going to say, the second best player in baseball right now. And Mookie Betts is someone that you compete with every year. It's someone that you build your contender around. You don't, you don't rebuild under a Mookie Betts, and you don't get rid of it. Like he's just too talented. Like you don't you you should be competing with Mike Trout. You shouldn't be trading Mike Trout. Like notice how when the Oilers traded Goretzky, they were never the same. They lost you know a cup. They they won a cup, but you know they were never the same with Goretzky and Mess and the guys and. Now that's why the Oilers were so awful. Is be I I believe because they just the culture and the organization changed when they got rid of Wayne Gretzky. It just wasn't the same. The Boston Red Sox are probably never going to be the same with, um, you know, Mookie Betts. It, it just it, it just fascinates me, and 
it's something that I've always been thinking about because it's trying to, it's something that I try and work on myself is having good leadership skills and having good leadership qualities. Um, you know, we're trying, that's why we're trying to get the brand even further. I got, I have to do better myself and trying to grow it by being a stronger leader and being a better leader. And it's interesting to see who I pick from and who I shouldn't be picking from. It's like, well, why would someone do that? Or why would you do that? Like, because a, a lot of people, when you get into this business, you don't realize, you don't really, well, you, you, you sort of realize, but you don't, you don't know until it actually happens, how much some of these moves will impact the fans or how the fans will take this and what it means for the rest of your organization. Um, you know, like the Rangers on trade, New York Rangers on trade deadline, they could have got rid of Chris Kreider. They could have sent Chris Kreider packing. They could have sent him away and, you know, kick the tires on another rebuild. And, ah, uh, you know, this isn't our year. We're going to get him next year. But you know what? The Rangers hunkered down. Um, they re-signed Kreider to a seven-year deal. And they're like, we're going for it. We believe in you. This is our guy. We believe we're a competitive team. Let's go and get it. Now, they're not going to go and get to the Atlantic like I thought they were because they're not in the Atlantic, which... I don't know, still kind of blows my mind, proves how much I know. But the Rangers have shown that, you know what, we're going to be a win. We're, we're going to try and win. We're going to, you know, why not? Why not go and be a good team? Because there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, like, I, I think it speaks highly to the organization of who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Like, winning solves a lot of problems. And when some teams have it, it's great, it's awesome. When other teams don't or they don't know what that feeling is like, then it sucks. Then it's brutal. Then you just are going to be f failures and you're going to be behind everybody. That's just how it is. So, because losing sucks. Like, losing sucks. And... Some owners just don't care. They're just there for the money, like Dolan or Dan Snyder. You know, they just like the joy of owning a sports franchise and collecting their millions. But losing sucks, and it should hurt the rest of the players. Do you, have any of you seen Moneyball with uh, Brad Pitt, where he's Billy Bean, the Oakland A's GM, and o Oakland lost the game, and they're all dancing on a table. Jeremy Giambi's dancing on a table, and... Billy Bean just throws his bat. It's like that's what losing sounds like. That's what losing feels like. Like that's how losing sucks ass. Winning is great. Winning solves a lot of your problems. If you win, it makes life a lot easier. But for the organizations that don't know that and don't feel that, they're behind a you know a lot of other people into how to run their business and how everything should go. So that is my sort of rant topic discussion. SYP today for Wednesday we're going to have another one for you tomorrow night on Thursday uh, another one on Friday probably Saturday might be a little sketch Sunday could be a little sketch as well but we'll make it all work so thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoy this and have a good rest of your night we'll talk to you later